Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Welcome to a jam-packed edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy McCarthy, and you can follow me on my Instagram and Twitter accounts at jermccarthy 74 This week's guests include All-Earning Club finalist Morn Abbey, as I speak to Breed O'Sullivan, Maura Callan and Laura Fitzgerald, ahead of Saturday's Decider in Burr. Irish Olympic rowing legend Salida Pospore and Claire Lamb talked to me about their election to the Olympic Federation of Ireland's Athletes Commission. New Cork Camogie senior inter-county captain Amy Lee speaks to me about the honour of leading her county into battle in 2022. AFLW Ireland founder and Aussie Rules coach Mike Curran joins us on the podcast for a new weekly AFLW slot focusing in on the Irish players making an impact down in Australia. We'll also hear from Munster Women's Rugby chairperson Wendy Keenan on the huge growth of rugby's popularity throughout the province. And finally, I interviewed the address UCC Sportland Meyer Ladies Basketball National Cup winner and finals MVP, Claire Melia. That's all to come on this week's jam-packed edition of the Women in Sport podcast. chasing and reigning All-Ireland Senior Club champions Morn Abbey put their title on the line against Galway's Kilcarran Clonburn in a repeat of the 2019 decider in Burr next Saturday. I spoke to Morn Abbey captain Breed O'Sullivan and her teammates Maura Callan and Laura Fitzgerald ahead of this weekend's eagerly anticipated showdown. Okay, we are joined now on the Big Red Bench by three members of the Morn Abbey Ladies Senior Football Team who are competing in next weekend's All-Ireland Final, going for three in a row as well up in Burr in County Offaly um, and uh, taking on, of course... Uh, Kilcairn, uh, Clonburn in that final the team they they know well because uh, they would have faced each other in the 2019 final which of course Morn Abbey won in dramatic circumstances and we're going to talk about those dramatic circumstances as well and we're going to talk to uh, first of all Captain Breed O'Sullivan Breed how are you? Good thanks Good for you to join us Maura Callan is with us Maura how are you? Hi Jared good very well Good stuff and the free scoring the goal scoring Laura Fitzgerald Sure Okay Good to have you here with us as well. Uh, things are going well for you, Maura, from your first comment there anyway, which is a good sign. Um, can, I, can I start by asking you, Maura, how preparations have gone? Because you're a club that is well used to playing in All-Ireland club finals, but um, does, the, does, does the pressure ramp up? Does the temperature ramp up? Is training that bit sharper now in the last few days before you, you play the final? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, training has been going very well. I think for the start of the week, I suppose it's just about getting the recovery in and making sure the body is well rested. Um, but then we rounded up again Thursday night and we were, you know, sharp enough, happy with how preparations are going so far. Um, so yeah, it's definitely hotting up and it's exciting always building up to a match. I think, you know, everyone, there's no, no one's found wanting, you know, you're really looking forward to a big game. And I think it's on our mind as well that it's, you know, the year is coming to a close with Morn Abbey. So we really want to leave, no, leave it with no regrets. Indeed. And does it help more of the fact that you've had a steady stream of games because you came out of the county championship at the end of the year, but then with Munster, there was three games, one after the other, and then another in semi-final? Yeah, definitely. I actually, I think we were commenting on it there last week that it was actually really great to have the games in the Munster Championship, you know, previously, you know, the Cork winning the team that won Cork would just be going straight into the Munster final but I actually think that suited us a lot like we built up momentum you know with those three Munster games as well so I think that definitely helped you know getting as much game time as possible into us Um as captain, Breed O'Sullivan, I mean, uh, this is a difficult, this is an important week. It's an important week whenever you're, you're training for an Ireland final. But as the captain, and just with the extra responsibilities that you get, um, are the girls a lot easier to deal with or are they, uh, is the pressure ramped up? Are they a bit cranky or is it just another week, just another week and just another week of training? Oh, they're never cranky, to be fair. Um, but no, to no, um, you know, I think everyone's just excited for it, to be honest. And I think sometimes the week leading up to an All-Ireland final can be a bit long. Um, but, you know, uh, we're just looking forward to getting the last few training sessions into us and, you know, team meeting and all of that kind of makes it real. Um, so, you know, you, you know that you're getting close to D-Day when you start having your last training session, last meeting. Um, so there are things that we'll, we'll, we'll look forward to um, and then hopefully get us in the right frame, frame of mind for Saturday. How much does the experience of the previous two wins, you've been in five of the last six finals, which is an, you know, a fantastic re- return for any club in any All-Ireland series, but I know you missed out on last year because of COVID-19, but how important and what are the kind of things you can draw upon from those previous two finals that you won? Yeah, you know, I think just preparations, and I think that that's something that you only kind of know from, from experience 
um, even like small things like what you eat the morning of the match um, and things like that, uh, you know, sorting out tickets, what's happening after the match. I think that, you know, in the early years, we would have been so kind of more caught up on that side of things. Whereas as we've got a bit older and we as a team and the club have got used to playing in our own finals, you know, we kind of know that we can leave all of that to management and we can leave all of that to the Mornabi committee and we, and we know that they'll look after that side of it and we can concentrate solely on the match, which is really important. Indeed, and the last time you would have played uh, Kilcarran, Clonburn, Laura Fitzgerald, it's a game you remember very well in that 2019 all Ireland final because you scored the dramatic winning point. Do you get reminded much about that point? <laughs> um, no, to be fair, I think um, any day I can get away without hearing about it is a good thing. But um, yeah, no, it was a dramatic way to finish any game, I suppose. But um, I think on the day we, we weren't really playing at 100% um, and if we were to lose that day I don't think we would have been happy with ourselves but um, look to win by a point is is good any day so I think um, yeah we were happy enough to just about get over the line Yeah real team effort again you're being modest as ever because you know, not con- not content with scoring two hat-tricks in the Munster Championship you went and scored four goals in the semi-final uh, against Dunboy in the last day out um, again you're at the end of those you, you said yourself after the after the match you're the one that's finishing off those moves but um, are you getting any extra attention in training because of this are you getting reminded of it uh, there's no fear of you getting a big head I know with your manager Mr Ronane <laughs> but uh, have your teammates been encouraging or, or discouraging you since you've knocked in seven goals and something like four matches <laughs> I know everyone gets equal attention I think to fair training where um, if nothing but more, like we're a full squad to be fair so um, no I, I don't, don't really want to be reminded of it to be honest um, I'm just happy as I said to get the end of the move that starts from Maven goals so um, hopefully the the pattern kind of continues now going to our final all right, you, you basically want me to stop questioning you now. So what I'll say to you is before we move on, um, how important was it to put in the performance you did against Dun, um, Dunboyne in that semi-final? You won easily in the end on the scoreboard, but it was a tough, real hard match. Maybe you could have done with a tougher challenge, uh, Laura, going into an all-earned final, but that's not your problem. You can only beat what's put in front of you. How important was it, though, as you mentioned, from defence, from Maeve and Gold, who's been fantastic for you this year, and from defence to midfield to attack, it was a real team performance and uh, bodes well for the final. Yeah, like I think, like as you said there, it was a massive, massive team performance. And I mean, like we to train over Christmas, something like we weren't really used to um, in previous years, but we put in savage effort and for like just to see a complete performance like that on 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 all Ireland semi final day, um, it's like if like it lift us something fierce now going into the final, um, but like that to ramp up a score like that, it, like it was all coming from the backs and stuff. I mean, like Breed had a job on Vicky Wall, and I mean, like seeing her getting flicks in left, right, and center, like they were as good as scores to be fair like you know the pressure was on the forwards to do something good if she could do that out in midfield and Vicky Wall so um, it was whatever 15 were on the pitch they were putting in a shift which was all Shane really wants us to do all year round so yeah just happy we delivered from yeah, Brie, you had it. You yourself and Mara had a difficult afternoon in the middle of the pitch there. But as as Laura said, you were putting in the flicks on uh, on Vicky Wall and a, and a few hard tackles as well. But you need to do in an All Ireland semi final. How much, How happy are you with the team's form? Because you've been you've been shutting down opposing forward lines, and and that defence starts in the corner with the likes of Laura and Darren who do the work up front. But you've been getting better and better as the championship has progressed, and you're going to need that big time in the final against a really really tough opponent. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, the scores that we've put up in matches so far this year have, you know, been really impressive. And especially the last day against Dunboy. And I think that, you know, anyone looking at the scoreline and, you know, seeing the likes of a fifth score and four goals, you know, would have said that it was seriously impressive. But what was also impressive was the fact that our bats managed to keep them to only five points in an all-around semi-final. And I think if you look at any of our matches this year, um, you know, the opposition have been very low scoring and I think that's something that we've worked on very hard this year and we've tried to improve every match. So if we could even improve it um, another 10% the next day, I think that we have the forwards to put ourselves into a good position uh, to come out with the win. 
competition for places as well, Breed. I mean, this is, this, this is I think, this season more than any of the previous seasons. I think it's not even a cliche. It's a reality now with, with Morn Abbey because the age profile and the success that you've had over well over a decade. Now the younger players, the likes of the Ellie Jacks and the, these other players are not just pushing to get on the starting 15. They have starting positions on the 15. So are you finding this year more than any other that the, the sharpness in training really has to be there because Shane Ronan and his selectors now have options? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that um, we would all see the likes of Eddie Jack and Anna Ryan as, you know, two of our main players. And if you look back to the 2019 final, which wasn't that long ago, like they were, they were subs and they came on that day and, you know, they did jobs for us that day. And um, now they're starting and they absolutely deserve to be there. And, you know, another player that deserves a mention as well as Emma Coakley, like she was... Um, she came back from Dubai there just before COVID and you know the difference that she has made to our team this year like she's been an absolute colossal force at midfield for us Um, and you know I think if we couldn't even imagine our team now without those three players and that has come from you know them just pushing themselves in training and getting themselves up to an unbelievable level of fitness you know to say I'm here and I, I want a position on the starting team and that drives everyone else on as well Indeed it does. And Maura, you're heading into an All-Ireland final against the Kilcarran Clonburn side that were pushed to the pin of their collars by Dunamoyne in the other semi-final of 1-2-8 to 8 points. But just listing out some of the players, Nicola Ward, Louise Ward, Claire Dunleavy, Eva Noon, Chloe Miskell. I mean, this is a serious team, like yourselves, built to win an All-Ireland. They will have learnt, I would imagine, from their experience of playing it last time. So... Not alone are you facing into an All-Ireland final yet again for Morn Abbey, but once again you have to dig deep and find another gear after all the games that have got you there to get over what is going to be a really tough opponent. Yeah, 100%. Like, they're they're a fantastic outfit, to be fair. Like, we know that from 2019. And I think they have a really good balance of, you know, really experienced players and also a lot of, like, really lively youth coming up the ranks as well. Um, So they are definitely a really strong team. But I think for ourselves, well, like, we know... I suppose that we were lucky enough to get over the line. Like, I suppose we probably thought we were coming out of there with a win. I mean, sorry, with a draw. Like, in 2019, you know, I would have been delighted with the draw after how we never really hit full tilt. Um, I won't mention the the, the point that <laughs> Laura Fitz got, because I know we touched on it already. But I think for ourselves, even just to actually go out and give a good performance, you know, and actually just leave it all out in the pitch, like it would be something that definitely would be motivating us as a side because I know we know we didn't hit really full tilt and we also just want to, I suppose, give the performance we know we can give and we'll take confidence from the fact that we did manage to grind out a win against them in 2019 um, when we all weren't, you know, like utterly satisfied with our performance. And a good thing as well, more about this particular All-Ireland final is... Um the lifting of restrictions means you're a fantastic support. There was over a thousand people at the semi-final, the home semi-final, which is a fantastic number for any match at this time of the year. But they they always travel in big numbers and now they'll be able to travel in big numbers to Burr, which is a real boost, I would imagine, for you and the team. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, it's so good having all the supporters there, you know, and they really, I think, I can't remember who said it after the match, but like they were so vocal, you know, during the game against Dunboyne and like, there's like, to be fair to the people in Moran Abbey, they're so good for travelling and we always do have huge support with us. So it's brilliant that there won't be any pressure on anyone to, you know, be trying to nip in and get tickets in time that, you know, everyone will be able to get there. And we did have a bit of a, a crunch with the tickets last week before the semi, it got sorted in the end. But, you know, there was a, a time when we didn't know if we were going to have our families there even like, so it is great to just have no restrictions at all on the people that we attend. Excellent stuff. And Laura, just finally to you, I mean, obviously it's another All-Ireland final. Um, I know this team and I know this club has become synonymous with the Ladies Football Senior Football Championship and getting to All-Ireland finals, which is an achievement in itself. You know that you're there, you're going to want to win it. But how much are you looking forward um, to the week ahead and to the match itself? Or are you are you a kind of player that, you don't get, do you get nervous before matches or are you just cool, calm and collected? Um, yeah, no, I actually think I'm, I'm quite lucky. I tend not to get too bothered about that. Uh, these big days but I, believe I mean that. like when the day actually comes yeah <laughs> when, when it comes to like obviously you're excited small bit of nervous but like nerves are good on a day like that um, like if you're not nervous like you probably don't care about it enough but um, like these two weeks now leading into us like training there's really good vibes of training everyone's really looking forward to it putting in a serious shift 
um, during the hour, hour and a half that we were down the pitch. Um, and just even off the pitch, like, you know, we're all talking about it, um, getting ourselves, ourselves hyped up for it. But um, as more I was saying there, like getting the whole crowd up to Burr on the day now, it'll be, it'll, be, um, it'll be a great day for everyone. Yeah, can't wait for it. Good stuff. And Maura, just finally to you as well, are you one of those players that is okay on the day of a match or do you need to be G'd up by your captain or, or calm down? Oh, I don't know. I think um, usually, I usually would get a bit nervous, but I like. I think Breed will agree as well. We usually just want to fast forward, just the warm up, fast forward, all the waiting around, and literally just be ready for throwing because at that stage, like you know, the week has been long because you're waiting for the match, and then you just literally want it to happen. So I'd be nervous, but I wouldn't be too too um, excited about it. You know, <laughs> your captain is nodding there. I'm going to ask her the same question. Is it? Have you seen the likes of Laura and Mara inside the dressing room? Be nice cool, calm, collected professionals breeder from your experience or what is it like? I don't, to be fair, I think that by the time it comes to the day of the match, everyone's just so happy that the day has finally arrived and um, Shane O'Neill has a notoriously hard warm-up so I think that we kind of all just are excited to get that over and done with and that means it's... <laughs> <laughs> he'll be sorry he'll be delighted to hear that and can I just ask you as well Breed one of the one of the one of the interesting things from following you this team since the start of the Cork County Senior Championship feels like 100 years ago um, I'm always intrigued by the Instagram feeds the nights after matches of the Moran Abbey players because you certainly know how to win and you certainly know how to pr- uh, how to produce the goods on the pitch but is it fair to say you also know how to celebrate um, yeah, to be fair, I suppose that's something that has never taken too much training. We've kind of just taken to it like a duck water, to be honest. But um, I think that the lifting of restrictions has come at the perfect time time for us. Um, so we look forward to um, whatever the days and weeks after um, next Saturday has has in store for us. Excellent stuff. Well, listen, everybody here on the big red bench, we've we've been with you all the way through the Cork County Championships, through Munster, through the All Ireland semi final, and we'll be there on the day of the All Ireland final as well. Hopefully, celebrating a three in a row at the end of it. Laura Fitzgerald, Mauro Callan, Breda Sullivan, all the best in that final, and thank you for your time. Thanks, Thanks, The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Irish Olympic rowing legends Sanita Puspure and Claire Lamb have been elected onto the latest Olympic Federation of Ireland Athletes Commission for the 2022 to 2024 term. The Big Red Bench spoke to the two Olympians about a new stage in their respective careers. Now, it is a real thrill here on the Big Red Bench to be joined by two of Irish Rowing's greatest rowers who have just been elected onto the Olympic Federation of Ireland Athletes Commission for the 2022-2024 term. Uh, Claire Lamb and Sunita Puspure join us on the line. Welcome, ladies. How are you? Great. Thanks very much, Chair. Um, I always say this to, to some of the athletes and some of the sports uh, women that I speak to on, on our podcast and on Big Red Bench, how busy you are. But you two are the, are the epitome of busy because not alone are you moving on from your rowing careers, but you've now taken on two very important roles on the Olympic Federation of Ireland Athletes Commission and you're joining um, some pretty big names on that commission as well, such as Brendan Boyce, the, the race walker, Paddy Barnes, the boxer and international hockey players like David Hart. Um, Claire, can I start with you? Um, it's a real honour uh, to be elected onto something as important as this, but what does the role entail for you and Sunita in the two years ahead? So we've been elected on by our peers. So it was an open election um, to the past Olympians basically could could elect the members. So you put forward as a, um, a nomination and then it went to, to an election. So the, the committee will be in place until the end of Paris. And I think our main priority, our, our main role will be to ensure that the athlete's voice is heard in the decisions made by the OFI. Um, I think we're going to bring like a wealth of experience from across the sports and uh, people that have competed in three Olympics um, and hopefully just make it the best experience it can be for the Olympians uh, during this cycle, but then also to um, support the Olympian Olympians following their sporting career and um, maybe the transitions out of the sport as well. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. It's multifaceted, this role. It's not just for the for Paris and the Olympics. And Sunita, from your point of view, you're just coming out of the, uh, off the water and into a role like this. This is hugely important, though, for the rowers and for all the athletes that are traveling, not just to the Olympics in 2024, but over the next two years. And to have somebody like yourself and Claire, whose voice will be heard and understood, it's becoming more and more important to know what happens off, you know, away from the track, away from the away from the rowing and from all the, the various facilities that that athletes are heard and understood. Yeah, I think it is very important. Um, even like things don't always go to plan, and there's always some hiccups. And sometimes I feel, looking back on my own career, which be, has been quite long, um, you need somebody to talk to, and sometimes. Sometimes you need somebody from the outside, you know, somebody who's uh, not quite within your sport, but somebody from a different sport with a different experience. I think it's a great opportunity for all the aspiring Olympians as well, and obviously for us as well to try and help people, try to help athletes from different sports and see how it works even in different sports as well and make comparisons, improvements and all that kind of stuff, yeah. I think it's quite exciting, and I just want to say that the lineup we have now for the next two and a half years is pretty good. It's it's looking very strong, uh, so hopefully we can make some some very good changes if needed and improve. Yeah, there's some very important names, including your own, on that on that federation commission. And as you said, you you need to be the connection between them and b- between the athletes. Can I ask you, Sunita? I mean, the Tokyo Olympics were different from any other Olympics, uh, the coronavirus and COVID and, and everything that was going on. Yeah. But one thing I noticed from interviewing some of the athletes that were there, the mental pressure on athletes nowadays has never been more more pressurized or more intense because there's the social media aspect of things everything that happens everything that's said is immediately reported how difficult is it as an athlete to be in that village and it must have been especially different for for, for people that were in Tokyo because you know you were locked down but how diff- how difficult is the mental pressure when you get to a big you know event like the Olympics or the cha- world championships European championships I mean all the preparation physically is one thing but the mental preparation has now never been more important I think it was quite challenging for some athletes starting from the point when it was postponed and it was the extra year of that hard work and uh, that focus that took toll on a lot of athletes. Um, And in general, I think it was quite stressful with not just the pressure, but even like the family obviously couldn't go. So you're staying away from your family for really long periods of time. So that was challenging and I experienced that as a mother and I didn't like it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's difficult. And then all these testings and worrying about whether you're going to be negative for the, all the tests that you're doing. Cause we were doing tests every single day and you could have come up positive and then you, that's it, you know, uh, and all these close contact cases, it was pretty, very, very different. It was, a little bit more stressful, yes. It was kind of a bit more challenging logistically, I think, as well for everyone. But um, but a lot of things were the same. You still do the hard work that you need to do and you still have the same goals that you had the year before, you know. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so like, I wouldn't want to do that again. Yeah, that, that's what I was just going to say. Yeah, you don't know athlete wants to experience a kind of a, a, a yeah. pandemic around it. And Claire, from your point of view, you were rowing Ireland's women in sport lead. I mean, you had probably in the build up to it, to the, to, to the Olympics. I mean, the amount of responsibility you had and the amount of different people you probably had to deal with. You're coming across different stress levels every day of the week, not to mind your own. So when you're on a federation now like this, how important are the experiences that you've gained over the last three or four years and are they going to help you when you are talking to those athletes? Yeah, I hope so. Like, um, my focus has probably been more in the like uh, grassroots and pathway side of the sport over the last three years, but I think, or two years, but I've gained a lot of experience in just probably understanding the dynamic of Irish sport and, you know, the role that the Irish, um, that Sport Ireland plays, that the OFI plays, that the Institute of Sport plays. And I think you're kind of, um, uh, you're probably kind of uh, blind to that as an athlete. You kind of are really just focused on your sport and your competition and you don't understand all these influences that actually affect the final decisions and what's made. So I'm hoping, yeah, I can bring that experience to this role um, and, and have a stronger influence because of that, yeah. 
Yeah, like we talk, like we've spoken just about your experiences and the pressures and the demands on modern day athletes and a lot of the pressures. But there's also the joy of representing your country at a major championship. So let's not let's not lose sight of that. I mean, results, you know, they don't go the way we want to, as you both know, unfortunately. But you've both reached the pinnacle of your particular sporting careers and getting to the Olympics. I mean, I, I find I think nowadays people forget that unless you're winning a gold medal, people are kind of looking at you, well, what did you go to the Olympics for? You know, the layman's terms, which is so silly because you dedicate your life in every waking minute to being the best that you can possibly be. And Claire, you would have seen that both in on the water and off the water as well with athletes that we talked about the pressure, but there's huge joy in pulling on that green jersey or that green singlet or whatever it is. That's the pinnacle of your career. You do your best. Irish athletes do their best. And sometimes I feel, do you feel you have to remind athletes, you know, look at what you've achieved even just to get here to the Olympics. Let's hope we're successful. We want to be successful, but you have to take a step back sometimes and look at the bigger picture. Absolutely. I think like, again, I think athletes are somewhat, uh, like hidden to the fact that the influence that they have irrespective of the results like some of the best interviews from the games were coming from the people that didn't have the the outcome they wanted but they really showed their their heart um, and I think they really influ- like motivated the nation and uh, and and also were a great ambassador for for sport and being involved in sport um, it's really hard to see like um, and it's just one of those things with an Olympic Games and something that comes around every four years. But you have people come away and with a full range of results. But that, that I guess what I'm trying to say is they come away with different results. But some people can be so disappointed with a silver medal, whereas you can be so elated with a sixth place because it's all down to what your kind of expectations are. And I think... So it, as best as possible, we need to create that it's a positive experience and the athletes come back and look back on their Olympics as a, a positive part of their lives. So um, I think that's really important and something I think I see, I've seen like through my whole career and I feel like I walked away from the Olympics. We finished last in the final, but it was a sixth place finish. But I look back on it so positively um, and it's hard, I suppose, to see athletes that don't get that same positive feeling and the same positive memories of it. And you just hope you can make the changes where possible to ensure that they do. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a very honest and a fair answer. I think, as you said, like you get to the Olympics, but you don't get the result you want. I mean, Sunita, the same question to you. Obviously, Tokyo didn't go the way you would have wanted it to go. But can yeah. you appreciate that you've reached the pinnacle of your sport and that I think most Irish people were appreciative of what you did and how you got there and that most other athletes will listen to you because of that now in your new role. Uh, I appreciated the fight I gave to get there and and of course, yeah, I had very different ambitions for these Olympics and I was on the track to get there, but it was a very difficult year. So it was really hard to accept that the result wasn't what I wanted and I really struggled with that after. So whatever Claire was saying with having that positive um, kind of feeling coming home from the Olympics, unfortunately I didn't have that. Uh, so it is very hurtful. It, it hurts you very, very deep and you're trying to talk yourself out of it, but it's not working. It's almost like a grieving process you have to go through, which sounds very silly because there is way worse thing happening in the world, but it's just what you've dedicated your life for and what you've been going for for so many years. You're putting everything on hold to get there and to do it. Um, so, yeah, I didn't get my fairytale ending at the Olympics, but I do... I do know I made an impact in Irish sport and I do know that I've achieved more than maybe some other athletes did, you know, and I do appreciate that. Um, I had great opportunities and I, I've travelled the world. I've I've won races and I've, I've heard that Irish anthem played for me many times. So, and that's something nobody will ever take away from me. Yeah. But, um, but even what you mentioned before, people kind of think, oh, why'd you go to Olympics if you don't even win the medal and stuff? But I actually, coming back from Olympics, I never felt people judging or anything negative at all. People are actually really kind of encouraging, come on, you've been to three Olympics, come on, stop being, feeling sorry for yourself, you know? Uh, so, yeah, people, all the other people actually being way more positive than myself about my experiences. And I'm sure a couple of years down the line, I'll look at it differently as well. 
So you learn something from good race, but you learn more from the bad ones, yeah. Very well said. And this is the thing. I think that's why the two of you, with your experiences, have been elected onto this Olympic Federation, onto this committee with Sarah Keane at the top of it. And you've also got, um, is it Annalise Murphy, I think, is, is involved as well. Um, yeah. As well. Like, so there, there's serious voices here, but there's serious voices of people, like you said, Sunita, that have been through the highs and the lows. But your experiences of dealing with both would be huge to a lot of younger athletes that will be appearing in uh, in Irish you know jerseys and singlets over the next two years it's something I would imagine you're looking forward to yeah absolutely I think having those highs and lows definitely kind of teaches you best of both worlds you know you kind of learn when you're low and then you enjoy when you're on a high Um, but also I do think the the laws teach you definitely way more and to bring that, ex- I have plenty of those, <laughs> to bring all that experience and even to overcome the all the negativity, let's say, or all the person, everything, you, you, you definitely become a stronger person. And then I'm also not afraid to get into troubles if I need to for a better cause. So and I think people closest to me know that. <laughs> uh, yeah, and sure, I've had some some troubles myself before but if mm. that's what it takes like we'll try to make a change whatever it takes really Indeed. excellent stuff and Claire I mean for somebody who was in Rio I would have seen Rio and everything that was going on around Rio that was, that was quite a, a different experience to talk about I definitely imagine for younger athletes again I'm thinking of younger athletes like going to a first Olympics going to a first world championships whether the, it doesn't matter whether they're a roar or not from your discipline but the kind of mental preparation and also the new anti-doping and all the things that come along with and with the anti-doping cycles and things that you need to be aware of and need to be careful of again you've you, both you and Sneed have a wealth of experience of this and you can pass that on and I, I guess that's the key thing of this federation getting the voice of former athletes and experienced athletes like yourselves to talk to the athletes directly it's a hugely positive move yeah I hope we can kind of create more of that connection like um, I know again from my own time like the National Rowing Centre even uh, being based in Cork is somewhat removed from the Institute of Sport back in Dublin and maybe not having the opportunity to connect with athletes from other sports as often. So, uh, and I'm sure that's the case for, for a number of sports that aren't working entire our athletes working out of Dublin the whole time. So that will be something I'd love to see happen just creating that connection a bit more and um, they have those people there to reach out and be it either people that are still participating or, or past uh, Olympians or athletes. So yeah, I think it is really important. Excellent stuff. Well, listen, um, on behalf of everybody here at the Big Red Bench, we are delighted for you both, Sunita and Claire, to be part of the new Olympic Federation of uh, of Ireland Athletes Commission for the next, uh, up until 2020-24, uh, which will fly by because everything's going to be starting opening up now very shortly, it looks like. But listen, continued success to you um, in your careers. And I can't think of two better people to have uh, Irish athletes speaking to about just what we've, we've covered here very, very briefly in this interview. And we wish you all the best in your new roles. Thank you. Thank you so much. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. The Piershik and Shandoon's Amy Lee has been selected as the new Cork Camogie Senior Intercounty Captain for the 2022 campaign. I caught up with the Cork goalkeeper to talk about her new role and what lies ahead over the coming months. Joined on the line now by the new Cork Intercounty Senior Camogie Captain from the Pearshick Club and Shandoon Division, Amy Lee. Amy Lee, first of all, from everybody here on the Big Red Bench, congratulations on being elected captain. Thanks very much, Ger. It's, it's, it's almost unreal. It's unbelievable at this stage. It's great. Um, you sound surprised by the fact that you've been selected as captain. Um it's obvious that the, the management team think a lot of you um, and believe in you that they've given you this position. But from your own point of view, when and where did you find out that you were the new car captain? Um, I was actually, I was out with two of my friends and uh, Louise Weldon, the PRO for Carcamogi, was ringing me and I just ignored it because I didn't want to be rude to my friends or whatever. Um, and they were like, what if that's important? I was like, Errol, I'll run her back later. And she rang me again, but I was driving home, so I didn't answer again. She texted me then, uh, and I rang her back when I got home, and that's when 
she was congratulating me. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Well, it's look, it is a lovely honour. It's a lovely honour, obviously, for yourself, but for your club, the Pearshig and the Shandoon, the, the county champions, um, what a lovely honour as well. Like all the young girls that have been watching you playing Camogie all these years now are looking at the Cork captain. And, and that's, I know it's added, um, it's not so much added pressure, but it's it's recognition of the work that's been done in those areas. Ah, yeah, and I always say it's great for the kids to have something so close to home to look up to. And, like, I always say, like, some of them probably don't have a clue what's going on in the Camogie world, but just having some sort of title, they're, like, amazed by it. So it's great for them, like. Um, and from, again, like, you're, that's a pretty impressive dressing room that you're part of this year, and there's already a lot of leaders in there. I guess that's probably a good thing from your point of view, you're, you're new to the captaincy. I don't think too many things are going to change apart from additional media requirements. But inside that dressing room and on the training pitch, Cork are lucky that along with yourself, there's a lot of leaders there already. Yeah, it's great. It's it's all it's always almost a shared responsibility across everyone on the team. And I think the, the newer girls that have been called up this year have fit in very well and they won't be long... Um, coming up to like their own getting their own voices really and having their own say in things and what we do so it's great to have leaders all over um the other side of things is that you're a goalkeeper so is it fair to say that the position that you play in the pitch is a good one for in terms of a captain because you see everything and there's little things that you can pick up on and talk to players about afterwards um yeah it's very good i i guess a great view of the pitch from where i'm standing um, I think it will definitely help just a few opinions and little tips and stuff obviously um, the lads on the sideline and whoever's on the bench and stuff will pick up on things as well so it definitely will help just having the broader picture in front of me just to help the girls in any way I can and speaking of that sideline, um, there's a new man at the helm this year in Matthew Toomey, a man you know from last year, but he's there's a new management team. It's all a bit fresh um, heading into 2022 for the players. How has training been going over um, January and into February? Oh, yeah, it's been good. The same, same as every other county, I suppose, doing our pre-season bits, injury prevention, all that kind of stuff, get us ready for the league campaign that's starting in a few weeks. Um, and what about Matthew? Because I know the players know him well from last year, from his time working with the previous manager, Paddy Murray. But now that he's the manager, is he? Um, he's obviously there at all those tra- different training sessions. How are the players reacting to the new uh, management setup? Um, I think they he he's got a, a massive response. Um, it's a it's always almost <laughs> scary in one way having such a big change like that. But I think he's handled it well and. He he is very good to us, and he always has been. The years I've been involved, he's he's very good at what he does. Indeed, he is. And another man that's very good at what he does, and that has joined the management team, is Davy Fitzgerald from Clare. The only question I really want to ask about Davy is how is the banter, and has it been flying in both directions between the Cork players and a Clare man at heart, but a man involved now with Cork Camogie for the coming year? Ah, yeah. You know what? It's it's a nice balance we have, like. And he's down one or two nights a week and when, like, obviously there's hard work there, but he, he's not afraid to have a small little laugh or little little chit-chat or whatever, um, which is great. It's nice. It's just nice to keep the, the atmosphere like that, you know. Yeah, and it's important, I would imagine, as well, at this time of year, as you said, Amy, like, there's a lot of hard drudge work that has to be done when you're an inter-county player to get your body ready, Um, you know, the, your touch and playing, you know, in, in you know, training matches and challenge games is all well and good, but this is the time of year you really have to put the effort in. Ah, yeah, and look, I suppose every every county are on the same page at the moment. Um, And look, I suppose nothing will kind of tell until we go out and play matches and see where we all are indeed and those matches are coming up pretty thick and fast in the month of February because you've got Clare away and home to Limerick and home to Kilkenny in the National League that's going to focus minds very quickly ah yeah I will and it'll be good to see to see where we are hurling wise uh, try different things like again like try players it's it's and it's starting early so it's good to kind of just get it out there yeah, is that a help this year, the fact that you won't have to wait around too long for the league and you'll be straight into the championship after that? That's the kind of thing players want, just regular games. Uh, 
Um, yeah, other than other than I suppose the weather in February, I'd say <laughs> it, it is a good thing. Um, and I'm not sure of the championship fixtures yet, but I think we might be finishing up a bit earlier. And I think it's just nice to have uh, extra time with the club again. Uh, it just may, it makes a small bit fairer for us, like. Yeah, you're a fan of the split season, and it certainly helped Shandoon last year. Yeah, it did. Thank God. Um, and I think just play, playing games constantly helped helped us loads as well. So you're going straight from an intercounty season into club games, and then you have your divisional games in up senior. So that that helped majorly. Excellent stuff. Well, it sounds like you're going to be very busy both on and off the pitch as the new captain. And we're delighted for you here on the Big Red Bench. Amy Lee, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Jared. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Time to introduce a new weekly Australian Rules League women's slot on the Women in Sport podcast. AFLW Ireland founder and Aussie Rules coach Mike Curran joins me to discuss his 20-year AFL coaching role and the Irish players to watch out for during the 2022 AFLW season. What is the kind of work, Mike, that you do um, and who do you work with, I suppose, is the easiest way to introduce yourself. Okay, there. I suppose at the moment I'm fully focused on AFLW and the professional Irish AFLW players that are currently playing and I suppose the players that are hoping to go across at some stage over the next few years. So that's where I am at the minute. As you said at the start there, I've been involved for over 20 years in football. I founded AFL Ireland originally back in 2000 and AFL Ireland Women's in 2017. Did a lot of work on the domestic game here at home and I coached the Irish national team for a number of years. Uh, but as of last year 2021 I know it's strange to be saying that but as of last year I'm fully focused now on the AFLW girls and and enjoying working with the amazing Irish athletes we have in Australia at the moment Yes and they are some athletes and I suppose Mike the big thing from Ireland's point of view is the volume of players that are playing over there you've got people like Orla Dwyer uh, from Tipperary with the Brisbane Lions you've got the, the Mayo contingent at the West Coast Eagles the Grace and Niamh Kelly and then you've got the Dubs uh, Sinead Goldrick and Lauren McGee playing with Melbourne and from Cork's point of view um, uh, at the the Giants of course from both Mayo the mighty Coruscant and, and from Cork Breed Stack There's, uh, what I wanted to ask you was there's such talented players going over to Australia and they're attracted to the lifestyle they're obviously attracted to playing at a professional level and all that comes with that but what are the kind of core skills and what are the kind of things that you work with them when they're back home and what are the kind of things that say a player that might be interested in the future and thinking about going to Australia should be aware of? No problem, Joe. Well, I suppose just to start, yeah, there's 14 Irish girls playing at the moment um, this year which is fantastic. 22 Irish players have played in total at one stage or other across the last uh, six seasons. So this is the sixth season of AFLW or the, the professional or the semi-professional competition over there. So we have a big contingent this year. And as you say, there's a great spread of counties from where the girls are all from. Uh, you have the Magpies, Ashton Sheridan, Sarah Rowe as well. Um, Aileen Gilroy from Mayo, you mentioned. Like, it's fantastic to see them across all the teams and really playing well as well. You know, they're not, they're not there just making up the numbers they're amongst the top players in the game. They're getting in the best on grounds every week. They're making the highlight reads. They're scoring the goals. And it's fantastic that we're able to watch more and more of the AFLW action at the moment now uh, via streaming and more particularly on, on TV here at home with the with, with the games and the highlight shows. Um, so obviously the girls, what attracts the Australian teams to the to the girls, I suppose the, the first thing primarily is that the Irish ladies footballers are at a very elite level of fitness like the, the training these girls do the work they put in is on a par with a professional team in, in every sense except obviously they're amateurs so that's that's one of the main things first of all these are elite athletes that transfer into the game seamlessly and in fact would be ahead of some of the Australian players in terms of that fitness like you see the likes of Sarah Rowe breaking the two kilometre time trial at Collingwood every year or O'Dwyer wins it at Brisbane you know these girls are, are really top of the class in terms of their actual elite fitness and athleticism. Other than that then from the ladies football of course you have some transferable skills and there are some similarities between the games. So most notably I suppose it's, it's the kick and the hand pass and the catch or the mark as it's known over there. So, so they're your kind of your three basics and the, the trickiest thing that they got to adopt there or get used to and obviously that's something that we do a lot of work with here is the overshape ball or the sharon and the tackle and, and the more physical side of it. Although over the last couple of weeks, you can see that some of the 
Irish players are, are quickly adopting or very suitable to the physical side of it as well. They like the race of Carol from Mayo, who's been on the highlight reel for Geelong the last three weeks with her absolutely out of this world tackling. So they would be some of the transferable skills. The athleticism stands out. What attracts the Irish girls to go over there is a no-brainer, I suppose. Every one of them, but he would nearly tell you that it's to be able to say they're a professional athlete for six months of the year. Um, they all love that. That's a huge draw. That's a huge bonus just to be in those surroundings, in a professional environment, in a club with all the facilities available to them. They generally don't do anything else when they're in Australia apart from play football. Um, so they're living that professional lifestyle. They have the benefits of being over there for the summer and the Aussie lifestyle and all that goes with that. And we're all very jealous of all the Instagram posts we see coming back. Um, but that's, that's a huge draw as well, of course. Um, and then going forward, I suppose you can see that it's really the top level GA players that get signed over there. There was a little bit of a lull over the last season or two due to COVID and complications with visas and border restrictions and international travel and, and quarantine and all that. And in fairness to the majority of the girls there this year and last year, they did a two weeks quarantine in the hotel, um, kicking a football off a mattress and, and what have you not. Um, but hopefully there's expansion happening now across the next season or two with four more teams. There's currently 14 teams this year. It's going to go to a full complement of 18 teams across the next season or two, more than likely next season. And those four new teams are going to have to recruit a total of 120 players. So there's the potential for some more Irish players to head over maybe next season and beyond. And particularly, fingers crossed, with the international travel and the COVID situation seeming to come under control somewhat. But obviously that's a that's likely to change as well. That's fantastic. I mean, even to, like when you hear of the expansion, it's obvious that the sport is, you know, it's incredibly popular in Australia. But here, Mike, where you're based in Ireland, the popularity of the sport is also growing. I mean, there's a lot of people that play it socially, but there's an awful lot of people, um, and certainly an awful lot of women now in colleges, starting to take it up um, and get involved in it. And that must be refreshing for you to see that. Oh, it's amazing and it's fantastic. And we see it as well, we get a lot of messages coming through from, from a range of girls across the country, primarily ladies footballers, but we get some rugby players, some rugby players, um, a lot of the girls asking about what would it take or what's involved or just trying to find out how you even go about um, putting yourself in the picture to be considered or whatever. So, But as you say, across all the levels, the social level, at university level, it's fantastic to see the interest now in um, following the players every weekend. It's primarily down to, I suppose, in more recent years, especially last year and, and this year, and, and we work quite closely with PG Carey, it's the coverage on TV every weekend. You know, that, that has yeah. made a huge difference. Um, prior to this, across the first couple of seasons, you know, when it was only like uh, Lauren Cora in the, in the, or Lauren the first year, Lauren Cora the second year, then it went to five girls, then it went to 17 girls, now it's back to 14 this year. As, as the numbers grew, the interest grew. But if you wanted to see the game, you were... Generally, unless you were getting up at, at stupid o'clock in the morning and watching it on streaming, that you were you were looking at highlights or snippets on Twitter or on social media, which was fantastic as well. But now you can watch two full games every weekend on TG Carr, you know, and that's phenomenal. You can't understand how important that is. You watch a full game on Saturday, a full game on Sunday. You've got a highlight show on Monday night on uh, TG Carr and a highlight show on Tuesday night on Virgin Media. So that exposure, I suppose, has opened the game to a whole new level and a whole new audience of people and that is definitely driving the interest across all ages. You know, we get a lot of younger players coming onto us as well, that are 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, that are, uh, it's the old can't see, can't be, like, but they think if these girls can go and play and become professional and have this um, honour and lifestyle, that, that that's achievable. And, that, and that's great to see. It certainly is, Mike. And as you said, like there's such an array of talent of Irish uh, footballers and uh, Aussie rule stars, the likes of Breed Stack, the likes of Sinead Goldrick that we mentioned there, Sarah Rowe um, and Orla Dwyer really kicking it up over in Australia. It's been fascinating talking to you and your background and we would like to touch base with you again in a couple of weeks and catch up and just to kind of review and see how the Irish players are going. But for now, Mike Coran, thank you very, very much for joining us on the Big Red Bench. No problem, Jared. We'd be delighted to come back and chat. And if anyone wants to keep an eye on AFLW Ireland on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we've got all the news, all the team lists, all the results, everything uh, to keep on track with the girls down under. But yeah, thanks for the opportunity and I'd be delighted to chat to you again across the season. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m.
Chairperson of the Munster Women's Rugby Committee, Wendy Keenan, joined me on the Big Red Bench to discuss the huge surge in underage and adult players taking up rugby across the province. We also spoke about recent under-16 and under-18 Cup and League finals and looked ahead to some important upcoming Munster Women's Club fixtures. Now, I'm delighted to be joined on the line here on the Big Red Bench by the Chairperson of the Munster Women's Rugby Committee, and that is Wendy Keenan. Wendy, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks very much, Ger, and thanks for the invite to, to be on the show. You're very welcome. Um, The reason we have you on, Wendy, is because uh, from the outside looking in, um, never before has there been as many adult and underage female players playing rugby in Munster. Am I right in saying that? And have you seen a big rise over the last couple of years in membership and in players? Yeah, you're you're correct there, Gerard. There has been a huge growth, I suppose, especially at the underage game uh, in girls' rugby. And it's just wonderful to see, really, um, all the way from the minis, which are under-14s, all the way up to our 14s, 16s and 18s, and those numbers will translate into the adult game. Um, so we've just seen a huge growth, um, especially at that minis age group and into that 14, which you know we now have 25 teams participating in cup competition, um, and it's going to be wonderful to see. Yeah, you mentioned just the fact, I mean, the, the Munster is a large area, but the fact that you mentioned the cups that are coming up there, you've got both, you've got under 14, under 16 and under 18 Munster cups coming up, but you also have in conjunction alongside those development cups at each of those three age grades. Can you explain just the difference there? Yeah, absolutely. I suppose the cup competition is, you know, for those teams that are established, they have good numbers um, and they know that they're they're going to be able to field and then we introduced the Development Cup this year for the first time ever. And that's for, I suppose, emerging teams. They're growing their numbers. They're growing their skill set among their teams. So we wanted to ensure that every girl, no matter what level she was able to play at, would experience Cup Rugby, um, you know, post-Christmas. So the other thing that we have done is, well, we tweaked the Cup a little bit um, this year. The feedback from the clubs was the girls wanted more games. So they would play around one. And they're playing for a home advantage in round two. So there's no rock knockout in round one. And those successful teams will have home advantage in round two. And then for round two, it will develop into a cup and a play competition. Yeah, and you mentioned just the, the demand for games and from the players themselves. I mean, we're talking about throughout. I, I see it here in Cork. One of the big selling points of, of girls rugby, let's just say underage from under 18 down, is game time. And everybody getting the same equal amount of game time. That seems to be huge for parents when they're bringing children to their different sports and it's a big selling point for rugby. Yeah, I suppose our, our key focus is on participation um, and we want all the girls, you know what I mean, to have their opportunity on the pitch and, and that has grown, especially in some areas. If you look at Clonakilty, they will now have two teams, into, well, they have two teams in the league and they now have two teams in the cup um, at under-14 level. You know, we look at, at Shannon. Shannon will have um, a team in the Under-16 Cup and in the Under-16 um, Development Cup. So it's about providing, I suppose, opportunities for all the girls to play. And I suppose particularly in Munster, we have a geographical challenge um, because of the size of the province. So we're trying to provide rugby no matter what pocket any of the girls live in. So we have rugby from, you know, the corner of the Clare, you know, and Scarif, the Rush, um, all the way down to Ivera. So, um so yeah, so it's a, long, a large landscape of rugby being provided. One of the big benefits with Munster Rugby and Munster Women's Rugby, I should say, Wendy as well, is the infrastructure of coaching that you've developed. You've developed programmes for parents to become coaches as soon as they bring their children into the mini section. And that entices those that are interested, men and women, um, to become coaches and to stay with those girls all the way through from minis right up to under 18. That has proven hugely successful in certain car clubs that I've written about and covered. Um, And it's obviously something with your coaching infrastructure and with your development officers that you're keen to keep going. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The, if we look at the growth of the game, um, we have to have the parents involved. Um, these teams cannot happen without, you know, parental involvement, both at a, you know, uh, a coaching level and also, you know, managing the team and the transport of, the, of those teams. So it's really important that uh, you know we engage with everybody. So um, whether it's you know becoming involved at minis level and growing your your skill set um, as your 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 daughter moves through the age grades. It's really important, and the development staff at Munster Rugby, you know, do provide excellent coaching courses. Um, and and so far, we've had great participation, which is wonderful to see. I suppose the other thing that we try to develop is keeping our girls who are nearing retirement involved in the game. So we have regional development programs, you know, at under seventeen level, that those players um, are being coached in the county 
while past players might have played for Munster and played for Ireland. So it's a great motivating factor to keep everybody involved. It certainly is. And you just mentioned there that Ireland and like the international and getting players who have played at international level to get involved in their local clubs. I've seen firsthand, Wendy, as I'm sure you have as well, hockey and soccer, especially in recent times, when the Irish international women's soccer team are doing well, there's more participation at underage. When the Irish international hockey team did so well, um, at the pre- not just at the Olympics, but back in 2018 and got a silver medal, all of a sudden the hockey numbers started to increase. It's the same with rugby. The Six Nations is coming up now. I mean, for women's international rugby, it's, it's gone through a turbulent time off the pitch, but a positive performance by the, the senior team will rub off and will encourage more and more girls to get involved, I would imagine. Um, yeah, that, that's very, very true, Ger. And I suppose, you know, a little bit of a different approach. The, you know, the Six Nations is going to a standalone window, which should make a difference to the viewing numbers. But also those international matches are moving around the country now. So in Cork, we'll be hosting Italy on Sunday, the 10th of April at 5pm. For anybody who's interested in seeing an international uh, women's match. And um, the AIL has, you know, I mean, the level of the AIL has grown so much. But I suppose you mentioned there about international players and keeping them involved here in Munster. Our two head coaches of our two AIL clubs, um, both Ballon College and UL Bohemian, are both coached by ex-Munster and ex-international players and behave in Ballon College and Leo Briggs in UL Bowes. So that's a really important factor as well. Or, I don't know if we bring that as part of the, you know, can't see, can't be campaign um, that was an important factor for us in Munster as well at provincial level having female coaches involved very true and it's great it's great to see that and just finally Wendy I mean we talk about international players we talk about the senior and the adult game we haven't even touched on that actually it's so popular has the underage and the development cups uh, gone in in recent times for Munster women's rugby but just this past weekend we had an under 16 league final which was contested by Killarney and Ennis which is fantastic to see two big urban areas um, uh, getting to an under 16 league final Killarney won 27-15 and this coming weekend in Formoy we have Ballina Killaloo taking on Clonakilty in the under 18 league final it must be fantastic for you and your committee first of all to see the likes of Killarney and Ennis coming up and being successful and getting to league finals at 16's level and the same then for areas that you wouldn't traditionally associate necessarily with women's rugby like Ballina, Killaloo and now Clannacilty as well at the under 18 decider Yeah we had a cracker yesterday in, in LIT um, that was a match that went down I suppose to the wire really you know what I mean two very exciting teams um, two very exciting wingers playing for both teams as well and I decided Lindsay Clark scoring two tries for Ennis and in the historian uh, scoring two tries uh, with the opposition but um, just wonderful to see the talent coming through and it's so wonderful for the coaches as well to see you know what I mean that their work is paying off you know all the work that the volunteers do uh, I know it, it, it's a very important factor in all of this as well and then we have a cracker lined up for next weekend at 1pm in Formoy um, with Ballina after overcoming Brock in the semi-final and Clamacinti this week overcoming uh, Ennis in a crackering of semi-final 34-31 and um, 6-5 6 tries to 5 so um, yeah so it's just wonderful to see the growth of the game and just to see I suppose girls using their transferable skills you know from GA as well and adapting them to the rugby pitch um, so it's, 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 it's proven really fruitful and it's, it's absolutely wonderful to, to see and you know, we'll be launching in the next week or two, we'll be launching our Schools Cup. The first time ever, Munster, we'll have a senior and junior Schools Cup competition. Um, so there's a lot of exciting things in the pipeline. So um, lots of things to look forward to. Brilliant stuff, Wendy. Well, it's great to hear how well Munster Women's Rugby is going at underage, at grassroots level, um, and all the hard work that your committee are carrying out is com- is making a big difference. And we look forward here on the Big Red Bench to hearing about all those cups and schools cups and clubs and competitions in the coming weeks. Thanks very much for your time. Thank you very much, sir. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. The address UCC Glanmire won their first Paddy O'Connor Women's National Cup title since 2017, following a dramatic 72-65 win over DCU Mercy last weekend. Glanmire's Claire Amelia was crowned MVP, contributing 21 points and helping her team to victory, following a fantastic fourth quarter turnaround. The address UCC Glanmire defeated DCU Mercy 72-65 to win the Paddy O'Connor Women's National Cup at the National Basketball Arena last weekend. It was far from straightforward and took a huge fourth quarter and team effort for the address UCC Glenmire to get over the line. But um, the MVP in the final and uh, 21 points as well, Claire Amelia, a fantastic performance, individual performance by her. And I'm delighted to say she joins us here on the Big Red Bench. Claire, first of all, congratulations. 
Thanks, Mila. Um, that fourth quarter, you're sitting down, we're watching it on, uh, on TG Car on the day, things weren't looking too good. How confident were you um, that this team would be able to turn things around? Uh, I just, you know yourself in the game of basketball, anything can happen at any time and we had a whole quarter to come back into it. So it was, once we had a bit of fight in us and a bit of, all we needed was one person to hit one shot and it lifted us. So yeah, yeah. thank God we came out on the right side of it. Yeah, you're 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 being very uh, very magnanimous here, but you're twelve points down in a national cup final. Um, you've got Mark Scannell on the sideline, obviously with all his experience, and you've got a fantastic team. But it, it it I think it was one of your three pointers. It was a really deep three pointer that you nailed. Did you feel at that point that that was it that you were on the way back? Um, I think I was lucky enough that went in, and I think with the help of Mammy, <laughs> helped you get in. But. Uh, yeah, obviously that has the bit, but then when Carrie got her three pointer and Tierney hit a few shots as well in the fourth quarter, and then on you got her three pointer as well. Like it just needed one thing to go in, to go the right way, and then everything else has come together. Thank God it did. Yeah, because up to that point, DCU Mercy, and let's be fair to them, they had done a fantastic job on you. They were deserving leaders at that point and looking really strong, especially in the second quarter. Um, you knew you were going to get a challenge on the day, and you got it from a really good team. Yeah, like we knew it was going to be tough, we weren't going to walk it, but a lot of our shots didn't go in on the day. Like Carrie's shots didn't drop for until she got great drives to the basket and good steals, but usually her shots, three pointers, just missed them, but unfortunately didn't go in on the day. And then Tierney as well missed a few, but if they all would have went in, it would have been a different story. But look, that's what basketball is, and you don't know what every game is different, so you can't expect them just to go out and walk anything. Now you're a cool customer um, at, at the best of times but even your face when it was announced that you won the MVP your teammates reaction more so than your own I mean they jumped all over you that was a lovely lovely moment for you I, uh, It was lovely I don't really mind any of those MVPs or whatever you need a team to go out and win basketball so it's uh, it was great to get it but you wouldn't get it without any of the girls there and how supportive they were to me like since I started down there and right up until now yeah, you've mentioned that to us before, the team ethic, and Glenmire have had a few uh, changeover in their American players as well since the season began way back when due to COVID and other reasons. But like you've come in as well, it's it, it, it did have a freshness and a new look, Glenmire, about it this season, but it, it sounds like you were made to feel welcome from day one and that you settled very quickly. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, the whole, like, everyone down there. I don't even feel like it's my first year. I feel like I'm down there nearly the last five or six years. So they're just all so supportive and all the management and everyone just a real family club and makes you enjoy playing basketball in there. Talk to me about the atmosphere of a National Cup final. I know you're used to playing in raucous atmospheres inside in, you know, big and small uh, basketball arenas, but for National Cup final weekend, especially for the Paddy O'Connor Cup final, even and it came across on TV very clearly as well, there was an intense, there was a lot of DCU uh, Mercy supporters there, as there were for the um, the address UCC Glenmire. Do you, are you able to block all that out or was it noticeable even in the warm-up and getting ready that there was a little bit more tension and a lot more noise than usual? Uh, the supporters from Glenmire, there's some amount of them there, like it was great. I probably noticed it more in the warm-up I'm ter- when I'm in a game, I don't notice anything around it. Just when I watch back on the game there, you'd notice it then, like the support that was there and it keeps you going as well, like it gives you a boost of energy. So, you know, the support from Glenmire is unreal. Um, I think I know the answer to this, but were you nervous beforehand? Any more nervous than you'd normally be? Um, no, I started to just go out and <laughs> treat any every game the same. It's just another game, like people say, oh, it's the cup, but sure. Same, still play basketball. And as Daddy, you'd always say, there's a basket each end of the court, the wooden floor, so you just go out and play. That's a very uh, sensible approach uh, to, to take to basketball. Talk to me about your coach, Um Mark Scannell and his importance to you one to one and the relationship that you've developed over the season. Yeah, he's just so supportive, like and accommodating for me, like especially what happened there in September with our family, and they're just always there. Like Mark's great, and but sure, there's Ronan as well and Kenneth, and you know, and I mentioned them already, like Connie, Connie, uh, Timmy, and Jimmy. Like they're just they're all there and they all do a job and. It's always the person first, like it's a, obviously they want to go out and win in the game of basketball, but they're just always there to make sure you're okay and you're getting on ground. Yeah, that's the one thing I noticed, um, you know, I, the, I've seen other situations in other sports when things aren't going a team's way, a manager can 
get excited, can get angry, might look for a reaction from their players, male or female. But with Mark, it was very measured. It was like, do this, do this, set up the screens, do do what you do, and we will get back into this. And I was, I really noticed that when the when the um, when the audio came through on television, that he was just yeah, like even yeah. yeah, even when we were on court, like and we were saying we should go back playing man defense, like you know, you know. He wasn't like, no, it's my way or no other. Like, it's whatever you're comfortable with, you're the one playing that way. So, he's just let the girls know. He lets us all contribute into it. And he doesn't, it's not his way in no way. He does what's best for us. Um, there's a very special bond between the management and the team, obviously, and the supporters. But um, are you are you taking it back a little? I think this year more than any other. Now, we've only just started really focusing in on the Cork teams here on the Big Red Bench. But... Uh, women's basketball in Ireland, um, it, it seems to be increasing in popularity at underage level, but at, at Super League level and hopefully at international level later on in the year, are you noticing an, a, a lot more attention towards it now? Uh, a small bit, probably not as much as what there should be, but mm. you know, like it's the way it is with women's sports, and unfortunately, that's the way it's going to be, but hopefully, it'll pick up a bit more. I mean, the kind of things that you're doing for us here on the Big Red Bench that Ani has done and Mark has done and a lot of other t- players that we're going to be talking to over the coming weeks and months. Um, I think a lot of younger girls, especially on television when they see it, would look up to you and, and can immediately kind of, you know, link in with their eyes on it when they see the atmosphere and the excitement and especially at the end of the final buzzer and everything and the way you celebrate. Young girls pick up on that because they certainly do when it comes to camogie, they can do that when it comes to rugby. But yeah, ba- yeah. but I think people like yourself are, are, whether you want to be or not, you're ambassadors because you're talking about the sport that you love so much. Um, it's been an exceptionally great season for you thus far, but increasing the profile and increasing the number of interviews, the more we talk to you and the more we get your name out there and the team's name out and the league's name out there, that's going to help. Yeah, sure. I remember when I was younger, <laughs> we'd be up going to watch Anya McKenna and Casey Grace and you know, Claire Rockall and everyone playing. So now I'm up playing beside them. So it's a bit different than going up and watching them. You're up playing on the court with them. So I suppose it is a bit of a change. You probably don't even notice it, you know, when you're involved in it. So maybe there is a bit of a change there. Um, your season is far from over. What's next for you? Uh, we've game on Saturday against Leicester. So hopefully we can win that. But you have to take every game as it comes. You can't be going out taking anything for granted either. Uh, every game's different so hopefully we'll stay up top of the league and be going to get, win that as well Well listen it's fantastic uh, for yourself uh, congratulations again on the MVP and congratulations to the address UCC Glanmire on winning the Paddy O'Connor Women's National Cup this past weekend a real boost for the club boost for basketball in Cork and, and in Munster um, obviously there's a Super League still there to be won we'll be keeping tabs on you all the way through that and hopefully Claire we'll be talking to you again about even more success before the season is out Thanks, That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. You can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune in to the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan and Valerie Wheeler between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Gork's Red FM.